Well, it's exciting to think that next week, Lord willing, uh, there may be more of you here in the sanctuary uh, joining me for this time uh, in God's Word uh, together. I'm really looking forward to that. I know so many of you are as well. Uh, it's going to look different, may feel a little bit different, um, but it's something that we can be grateful for, the freedom to gather and to worship our God, uh, to give Him praise, uh, our God who is the God of all comfort. And you may think this morning that we'll be back in the Psalms and reading from the rich resource of uh, comfort and confidence and hope that we find in the Psalms, but we also see those themes in the New Testament. And I want us to hear from the Apostle Paul this morning, words of comfort uh, from uh, his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. It's a place I will often go to when I'm feeling discouraged or coming alongside um, someone or a family in a very difficult time. And uh, so this second letter of Paul here, he may have written more to this church, we're not exactly sure, but this really is a unique letter. You're thinking, Brad, you say that about all the letters in the New Testament, which is probably true. Um, But if you wanted to read an autobiography of the Apostle Paul, we would certainly go into Acts for some of that information. But it's this letter, 2 Corinthians, uh, where he gives so much more information about himself, his own life experiences, the suffering that he has endured uh, on this journey. Uh, And good reason for this, as we read through uh, this uh, second letter, Paul seems to be bridging a gap, uh, diffusing the tension between himself uh, and this church. His last visit to the church in Corinth was very hard. He had to share some difficult things, and it wasn't uh, received Uh, very well in some cases. And so he's writing from this place of suffering, this place of pain, um, tears for this church in Corinth. Uh, Will they actually hear him out? Will they receive this message um, that he has for them? Think of how many of you are fishermen and enjoy fishing, and you know that you can have all the right equipment, you can go fishing at just the right time, you can have the right bait, But if the fish aren't biting, then no supper on the table. You're going home empty-handed. And uh, So the church in Corinth, a very prominent city, they've received the gospel, they've received the message of God's grace, but they don't seem to be taking the hook. They're not biting and applying uh, this message to their lives. So the apostle assures them of his love, his continued uh, commitment to them, even when they are far less committed to him, as an apostle. He's comforted. They can be comforted by God even in the midst of this uh, tension between them. So 2 Corinthians 1, I'll read verses 3-7. through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we were comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is God's Word, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Let's thank Him for it. 
Lord God, we do thank you for this time in your word again this morning. Uh, Though hearing it and processing it in different places, we are grateful, Lord, united by your Spirit, that you speak to us as individuals, as a church, drawing us closer to you, forming us in the likeness of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us, warn us, and comfort us uh, through these uh, words. Give your servant strength. May your word be proclaimed faithfully on this day. And help us as we receive it and apply it in our lives. We need you, Holy Spirit, to work this truth in our hearts. We pray this in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. When you think of the word comfort, if you're going to relay an experience of comfort, what's the first thing that comes to mind? One of the first things that comes to my mind when I think of Comfort is the blue burrito that we had in our basement when we were living in Iowa. We call it the blue burrito because it's blue, and uh, it's one of these foof sofas that looked like a big giant burrito. And um, it was heavy, but you could roll it around and you know sort of poof up this foof sofa. And when you collapsed into the blue burrito, it just sort of wrapped around you, and it was really, really comfortable. And it was hard to get out of the blue burrito because it wrapped around you. You physically couldn't roll out of it, but oh, it was so very uh, comfortable, uh, relaxing. And uh, eventually the blue burrito became a landing pad for the kids as they were running and doing their tricks and falling into this burrito, but very comfortable. Uh, what do you think of when you think of comfort? And I think so much of that depends on how, well, how we're using that term, using the word. Is it, is it a verb? You know, I comforted someone. That may have a different association you know, than the noun, that, that the chair was a comfort to me. But the way we're used to using the term comfort, the way we think about it today, I think has lost some of its meaning. Maybe even the ability to do what we say that that word does, to, to comfort. You know, we think of something cushier that makes us feel a little more comfortable or relieves a pain Um, but really not the thrust behind the biblical language of comfort on the way Paul is using it here Uh, one commentator said that Paul is not suggesting this is a a subjective feeling of comfort like a tranquilizing dose of grace that dulls the pain no Paul praises the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort for the strength to carry on, the strength to to endure. This is a resolve to get up again and again and again. Given the experience of Paul, since the Lord Jesus just stopped him in his tracks, the church was starting to sort of count Paul out, look down on him, you know, he's, he's on the mat and the ref is there. You know, one, two, but then Paul lifts his head. Um, he may be knocked down, but he is not you know, down for the count. He's not out. He's comforted by God. Thinking of Steve Rogers in the latest Avenger Marvel series. You know, before Steve Rogers is injected with this magic formula that, that transforms him into Captain America, he gets beat up a lot. And when the bully knocks him down, he gets up again, and he gets knocked down again, and bruised and bloodied, he stands there, and I could do this all day. 
That's what's underneath Paul's use of comfort. It's the strength, the resolve to get up, stay in the fight, even when that pain and that affliction is there. And it's so very real, so very real for Paul. So we're going to ask three questions of these verses and unpack them together. Where is our comfort in affliction? And we'll look at Paul's experience and what that means for us. What, um, what is our response in affliction? Again, looking at Paul um, and, and what that means for us. And finally, how are we able to comfort in affliction? Where is our comfort? How do we respond? And how are we able um, to comfort? So Paul gives praise to God. He turns to the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, because he is burdened for the church. He's burdened by suffering that's well beyond his own ability to cope. Sometimes we hear that, that sentiment, well, you know, God won't give me more than I can handle. Or he won't allow me more than I can bear. And we can appreciate the supply of grace that's you know, behind a statement like that, but we need to hit the eject button on the idea that we will never be overwhelmed or deeply hurt or utterly confused at what's going on around us, what's happening to us. The Bible is brutally honest, raw about the suffering and affliction that we experience and may experience. We could study someone like Job or Joseph or Hannah or Elijah or prophets like Jeremiah or Hosea, or we could look at Paul and just make a short list of his sufferings. I'll do that briefly here. Five times he receives the 39 lashes. 40 lashes was considered to be the point of death. Five times. He's beaten. He's stoned. He is imprisoned. He is shipwrecked. So he's in danger on land and at sea. He goes hungry and thirsty. He's exposed to the elements. All while carrying the anxiety for the churches that he knows and loves. Oh, and then there's this thorn in the flesh that the Lord gives him. So that's not going to go away. Paul knows affliction. He's honest about it. He's hurt by it. So much so that he says, well, just a verse beyond what we read in verse 8, that he despised of life itself. You heard that right. This is the Apostle Paul. And church family, if, if we have not been there, uh, we will be in this place or we will walk with others who are suffering beyond their ability to cope. And they will despair of life itself. Like, this is personal. This is what the Gospel speaks into. Let's be honest about our suffering and what overwhelms us. And Paul's not playing a comparison game here between his suffering and and someone else, or trying to explain it away. He's being honest about his suffering. And some of us really need to hear this right now. In a time of uncertainty and isolation, loneliness, where there may be losses directly related to this pandemic, or just the little losses that we're facing every day, in some way, you know, ceremonies that have been canceled or altered, things like weddings or you know, funerals that cannot be attended. 
or just a love for people and being around other people. That can't happen right now. These are losses and afflictions to us in many ways. And no one is going to feel that way about them the way you do. And that's what I want us to hear. We may all be isolated in in some way, to some degree, but our experience of this loss and the grief or the joy, that's, that's unique to us. Proverbs 14, verse 10, it says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. David Pallison, who's now went home to be with the Lord this last December, but such a humble and wise counselor, he pinpoints this truth, that there, there is an essential loneliness to the human experience. An essential loneliness. There is no one who will ever know your affliction. Whoever know you completely and the burdens that you carry except God alone. God alone has full access to the human heart. To your heart. And that's, that's intentional. That's by design. So you can be honest with your suffering and affliction. Honest with yourself. Maybe even a little more vulnerable and honest with others. Because even if they don't fully understand, there is one who does. The one who has full access that no one else has. So where do we go? Where does Paul go in this affliction? He goes to God the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. God the Father, He's moved with pity and compassion for His children. We sing in Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And this compassion of the Lord this comfort, it is a very real intervention. Think of the prophet in Isaiah chapter 40. He says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand a double for all her sins. God intervenes. He delivers His people. It doesn't mean He will deliver out of all trouble, but He provides in affliction and in the trouble. So that this comfort has a teeth to it. It has staying power to get up again and follow the Lord. And the comfort may come in ways that we will never fully understand as God extends His mercy and His kindness. Because only He has full access and knows completely um, another beautiful Lord's Day, many a uh, Resurrection Day as we uh, come together for worship or worship together in different places. But it's the day that our nation has uh, set aside as Mother's Day. And as a church, I think we can say that every day is a wonderful day to give praise and thanks for godly mothers. Uh, those who have gone before us, those who are with us now, uh, who love and encourage us and invest so much uh, in us. So, to our mothers, to our grandmothers, uh, mentors, uh, the, the women in our lives, uh, we thank you. We praise God for you. 
We just simply cannot express that enough on a day like this. But if we really want to honor Mother's Day, then we must honor the loss and the longing that uh, comes with a day like this. Uh, There are many of us who miss our mothers. There are many mothers, some of you, who miss your children, no longer able to share life with them. Others of you have children who are making decisions that just grieve your heart. Some of us are are grieving relationship with with a mother that that we never really knew. A relationship with a mom that that, that never ended up being what we hoped it would be. And some of us are wondering if this relationship will ever exist. Will we ever know what that's like? And I read this week, I think it's accurate, that for every woman celebrating on Mother's Day, there is at least one who wishes that it would just go away. So they're, they're deep wounds. And so I want you to hear today that we love you, that God loves you. He knows your sorrow and the longing that you have. Those, th- those sorrows will come to an end. Those wounds will be completely healed, though it may not be until the joys of heaven. Maybe, just maybe, the Lord is using those wounds, using the longings to draw you close, to draw you deeper into His love. God knows your heart. He has full access. And He will comfort you in a way that only He can. So what is our response? How do we see the Apostle responding uh, in affliction? Uh, The affliction may be external, as Paul has experienced. He mentions that in several places. It also may be this internal distress, uh, fighting without and fear within, he says in chapter 7. But it doesn't appear to surprise him. The church in Corinth is starting to back away from the apostle, you know, actually discrediting Paul because of his affliction. You know, well, you know, maybe Paul had some of this coming you know, because of his previous experience. Or if he had a little more tact, or if he was a better orator, then maybe he wouldn't experience so much of this suffering. I think there's a little bit of a gotcha there for all of us because we'll do a similar thing. We'll instantly try to rationalize why we or another may be suffering and what's going on. You know, where, where can the blame be cast? And if we're not suffering in that way, well, then we must be doing something right. And, and I think that's very likely why Paul is sharing some of these experiences because he's turning this on its head. The suffering and affliction is to be expected in this life. What they are using to discredit Paul is actually to his credit. These are marks of being a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus. Paul is not above suffering. The suffering of humanity is certainly not above the suffering of his Savior. Jesus is quite clear about this in John 15. As disciples of Christ, we follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And the Lamb has gone to its death. Whoever would come after Me must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. So our first response is to not be surprised as if something abnormal or strange uh, were happening in our suffering. 
So many themes in this letter, but a common denominator is humility and weakness that shows the very power and strength of God. This is what qualifies Paul. This is what actually makes him a, an apostle, a competent messenger of this gospel. It's his weakness that enables him to show and to boast in uh, the Lord's strength. He's always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. This is the cruciform life. It means that that, that suffering is glory. Weakness is power. Insufficiency is the all-sufficiency of God's grace. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, it says in verse 5, what does that really mean? Did Jesus not suffer enough? Is there something that... He didn't complete that we are now completing for Him. No, we're not completing anything um, that Jesus failed to do. But we are identifying with the suffering that was so much a part of His ministry, of His uh, earthly experience. This is taking up our cross. For as we share in His sufferings, we share in His glory. So the Apostle is not only preaching Christ crucified, he is living Christ crucified. Affliction from the outside on the inside is actually it's actually deepening his faith instead of the opposite that we might expect. And that's an important response for us. Paul does not try to explain away this suffering. He's not asking the why question all the time. He doesn't welcome affliction. He certainly doesn't want to go through it. Look forward to it. But he doesn't become bitter. He doesn't become resentful. He embraces the affliction that moves him to Christ, that shows just how dependent he is upon the Lord. And affliction and, and suffering, they can come from all different places, but the strength and comfort is in God alone. You know, it's certainly no coincidence that those who are maturing in Christ whose faith is just growing, have likely come out of a time of great suffering, or they're right in the middle of it. Is our suffering moving us closer to Jesus? We're all in this place to some degree right now during a pandemic. Will we look to God, our strength, our refuge, our comfort from day to day? And then, Maybe the most important response in affliction is to know that our experience, the comfort we have received from God, is used to comfort others. God's comfort doesn't end with us. It is not a self-serving comfort. It's a comfort that's intended to to move outward, to overflow into the lives of others. That's a very real training ground. Not the training ground that we would typically choose. But the Lord enables us by our suffering to meet others in their affliction. And so we can weep with those who weep. We can pray with them. We can help them in other practical ways. Think of how practical this was for Paul. He's grateful and quite encouraged when Titus joins him. It says in chapter 7, But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. So we experience God's comfort through the care of other Christians. But we are, we're also comforted in affliction by caring for others. 
looking outside of ourselves can actually be a help. Usually when we're in distress, when we're in a place of affliction, we want to isolate ourselves. We want to, 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 to pull away from others. Focus exclusively on ourselves. But we're actually comforted as we you know, redirect that pain and serve another. The president of MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, he sent a letter to supporters in the last week with a good reminder uh, that this, pande- this pandemic is really showing us what so many in the world are enduring all the time. Not being able to travel, not being able to work when they want to work, not being able to find uh, the food that they need or to get the, the medical supplies locked down. And like so many others, MAF is uh, struggling. They're not able to make the flights with medical supplies and food or to carry missionaries from one place to the next. And so the encouragement was to keep serving. The, the mission continues. Even when, when we may be uncertain about our own situation, what looks so strange to us in the West, the, the mission continues. We may be hurting, but we can still help those who are hurting. The Lord uses that for their good as well as for ours. We're following the Master, the suffering servant, and we're comforted. It moves us to our last question. How are we able to do this? How are we able to comfort others in their affliction? Paul, his understanding of the present, the suffering that he is going through, uh, the, the affliction that he has endured, that's governed by the future. What is to come? He lays this out in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And so even though the church may not appreciate the significance of Paul's suffering, he's the one who has brought them the Gospel. He's come to them with the news of the Gospel and the comfort that is found only in Jesus. The hope of Christ and the resurrection. It's the glory of the resurrected life that enables Paul to endure, extend this comfort by which he has been comforted. So the life of the Apostle, the life of the church here, they're they're intertwined. His experience is for uh, their benefit. And he says to another church, to live is Christ. To live is this cruciform life. To take up our cross and follow Him. And to die is but gain in His glorious presence. How are we able to comfort to receive comfort, to give comfort that really is an endless supply of strength. It's certainly not from our own gifts. It's not from our own heroics or just grit in the time of trouble. No, it's the Spirit of God. Life in Jesus and the hope for life to come that enables us to endure affliction and to comfort others. Our lives are secure in Jesus. Come what may in God's providence. And so we can endure without complaining. We can endure without bitterness because our Savior has gone before us. He has embraced the affliction of the cross so we can share in the glory of heaven. That's Paul's hope. It's his hope for the church. He hasn't lost confidence in them. He is trusting the Lord to continue His good work in the life of this church. You know, in Corinth, 
in the church in Corinth, they have not experienced the opposition, the hostility that Paul has. So as they come to appreciate and give thanks for the Apostle who suffers for Christ, and they partner with him. They share in his comfort as well. And maybe the day will come when Paul can you know, write a letter to Corinth and open it the way he does to a church like uh, the one in Philippi. You know, rejoicing, giving thanks uh, for their sacrificial and enduring partnership in the Gospel. Like so many right now, uh, the performing artists, musicians, um, dancers, actors, um, I think I read, read there, or heard that about two-thirds of them are out of work right now. They've put in all this practice for their summer concerts and shows, and it's all come to a grinding halt. And so they've had to make videos uh, of their performances. And one gal who owns a theater is really wondering what bookings will look like. She made this comment, we're part of the casualty, but not the only casualty. So she's recognizing that this is a shared struggle that they face. And then she said, our job as artists is to give hope and peace and inspiration and comfort to those in our communities because it's going to come back. Got me thinking about that a little bit. You know, God may not always remove the affliction, or erase the wound. But He will always comfort. He will remind us and shore us up with His promises. With words like we have in Psalm 42, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. So every comfort now lifts our eyes. It's a foretaste of that final comfort. The final consolation that is to come. When every fear, when every tear is wiped away. The performing artists in our midst, their desire is to extend peace and inspiration and comfort. And I'm so very thankful for that because it's a, a copy. A blurred copy, but an image nonetheless of the great artist who extends peace and comfort in the affliction through Jesus Christ and to the day of Jesus Christ. We don't know what will come back, but we know what is ahead. And we comfort others with the comfort we have received from the living God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the truth of these words. That you extend your mercy and your love to us in the Lord Jesus. And we are comforted now into the day of eternity because our lives are hidden with Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for this precious gift. We thank you for the ways in which you comfort us in these days and in the days ahead. Lord, help us to be honest with our own suffering and affliction. Help us to receive the comfort of others even as we extend that comfort to those around us. Lord, we thank You. Be glorified in us as individuals. Be glorified in us as Your church. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.